everybody for the Rub Wrestling Podcast. I'm pretty sure we're on episode 25, and if that's true, it's an it's a milestone. If we're totally wrong, I'm sure Crystal Josh will tell me in a few seconds. But Josh's favorite line. With that being said, welcome to the Rub Wrestling Podcast for all, you know the place for all your your rumors and and all that jazz results stuff. We're gonna be talking about. Um, Survivor Series, we're going to be talking about the Continental Classic, we're going to be talking about Cajun Copeland, a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to get into the groove, as Chris was saying earlier, to really get the show out to you. As always, please make sure that you do check us out on any instance that we have a podcast. You can come check us out on Apple, you can you know, hit subscribe on us on uh, Spotify, YouTube, you know, Google Store, every, anything that's around that you can find our podcast, you know, like, hit subscribe, and if you don't, like I always say, go fuck yourself. Now, Chris and Josh are esteemed, beautiful panel. Chris, I'm going to start with you right now. Christmas is coming up shortly. We're now getting into December. Starting to get cold outside. There's snow on the ground. Give me one thing you love about Christmas and one thing that you absolutely hate about, I don't know, Christmas or just the winter season altogether. One and one. You're up. Uh, like food. Food's probably right up there. That's probably my favorite part about Christmas. And, uh, you know... We were all up in different cities when we were younger. Christmas would be the time where you kind of all came back here and you'd all kind of, we'd all see each other once in a while. Now that we're older, it's not really the same. So that used to be my favorite part. Uh, what do I hate about it? Uh, I hate when it's too cold to wear flip-flops, and that's about minus 10. So I hate it, minus 10 and below, and I hate it. <laughs> I'm also a big flip-flop fan, too, and I, I totally I know where you're coming from. It's just, just so easy. I don't want to be putting on these massive shoes, and then all of a sudden it's minus 20. That's where your toesies get. Or socks. Get, I don't want to put socks on. Oh, that's where your toesies get all blue, and then they cut them off, right? We don't want to have that. None of that frostbite slash gangrene shit. That's no good. It smells like almonds. Josh, for you, how a little you bit know, different. How do you know that? I don't know. I don't have it. Does it does not just, smell <laughs> like almonds. Cyanide smells like almonds. Well, what oh is, shit! What the fuck? Quarter, quarter watch. Did you get cyanide? No, but I mean, green, green smells disgusting. Okay, well, Josh, you'd be the man to know. So, like, good to know. But I thought, I don't know. I think when it was when Will Ferrell went over the cliff in uh, what was it, Austin Powers, when he played Mustafa, he said that he broke his leg and it smelled like almonds. So I think maybe that's where I figured it out. But I don't know. If you remember maybe the second I'm wrong, one, but I. I I don't, yeah, I don't think it smells very good. Okay, well, I don't think it would smell good either. It's rotting flesh, but Josh will kind of, will lighten up the mood a little bit better here instead of talking about gangrenous limbs, but Christmas is and coming. And how they smell. Christmas is yeah. coming, Josh. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, God. I don't really, oh, I mean, Bad Santa, probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really big on Christmas. Uh, but, alive, uh, alive is his favorite alive. one. <laughs> I mean, or uh, if what's uh, what's shit? What's the one that's a, it's a Christmas movie? Fucking Bruce Willis, like Die Hard. That's a Christmas movie. Um, or um, the one with Tim Allen. Oh God, uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. My cousin, my cousins were in that one as extras, so I, I, I'll say the Santa Claus for uh, the movie the kids could enjoy. <laughs> It's funny that Chris that you say like what was it uh alive right so all I know all I know is that if that was me I'd be like hey Chris pass me another hunk of co-pilot yeah before it gets gangrenous and smells like almonds yeah. <laughs> well this is how we're we gonna have like, to stay alive but anyways we that's... smell like hot dogs when we're cooked so yeah, I'm sure <laughs> we do uh, well I mean if it's like if it's like those Costco hot dogs then I'm sure it'll be delicious regardless <laughs> this is a weird topic this is a weird entrance for us but hey Matt Matt you know what cannibals call people food <laughs> Lo- long pig is that what they call them long pig <laughs> long pig long pig <laughs> Ah, Christmas cannibalism. Can't go wrong with wow. that. Go wow, team. what an episode. If we That's don't a good get banned start. for this, good for us. Great start. Okay, on to the wrestling. So, again, we are a wrestling podcast, not a, not a what stuff smells like podcast. But we're going to talk about the Survivor Series that happened last weekend. You know, I, I 
my whole thing here is, you know, there are a couple really big returns. We're going to talk about the return of CM Punk um, along with this first topic. Uh, we got the, the return of Randy in the second topic, guys. But um, I'm really interesting to kind of see how you kind of rated this as a show. I mean, when we went through it, I mean, a couple, you know, we had the, the women's war game match. Uh, we had the Judgment Day versus, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes and the rest of the team, Seth Rollins and everybody else in that match. We had Zoe Stark and, uh, and Rhea Ripley. Um, go at it. You know, we, we kind of had some other matches there too. I think it was really a, a, a good day for Santos Escobar. Um, how would you guys rate this show? Basically, let's say, uh, we'll do our, our regular ratings here, our A to F and then our S tier, if it was really godlike. Chris, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll mention my stuff at the end, but how did you feel of, of looking at Survivor Series when you look at everything, um, even including the, the, the massive return of CM Punk at the very, very, very end of the show? Which I missed, actually. I like I turned it off. I thought, and then I'm such an idiot too. So then I get a message in the in the goddamn thing, and Josh is like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah, obviously CM Punk just showed up." <laughs> so, anyways, um, you know what? I give it a B. I, I was entertained. I thought it was a really good show. Um, wasn't as huge on the women's uh, war games. I like Shotzi. Just my eye goes to her, but I. I I don't want it to, but my eyes always taken to her <laughs> and it's like, well, I, she just, it, it, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody decided like, this is how you should look. And I just, I don't think it's going to work. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was B. Um, I think I guys, I think I sent you guys a meme saying like, it's two hours in and the main events up. I'm not upset at all. Yeah. So like it was, it was nice and short. Like that, it was good. There's, the matches were good. CM Punk's entrance was good. Um, Seth Rollins like going going nuts at the end. That looked real, so I liked it. Like that was, uh, uh, you know, that's that's what we want. We want you to make us believe it, and and it made me believe that he's he's pissed and he doesn't want Punk there. Yeah, you know, it, it was unique for me when we kind of went through it. It just it, we we talked about during the preview the nostalgia that really comes out of the Survivor Series for us, right? And I really felt that this was one of the first years where I really felt that all that nostalgia was really lost. And it's just not the same without, I find, with the Soul Survivor and then going to a War Games style. Like, if, if you're going to have War Games, like, why don't you just call it War Games? Like, I mean, WCW used to call it War Games. I mean, you might as well. Like, I, I don't I don't find that there's a way for anybody to really survive in this match, really. It's it's not the same thing. It's, it's not going to take away from what I thought of what the actual ranking is, but just a thought. Josh, what were your thoughts of, of the show as a whole? Um, and, uh, like, how would you rate this based on our, our, our letter grade rating? Yeah, you know, it was, I thought it was good. Um, better than I thought it was going to be. I'd probably give it a B plus. I actually thought that the women's match was okay. Uh, especially because EOS guy is just a fucking rock star. Like just, uh, you know, I guess Chris was a little distracted with Shotzi. I'm not sure if it's like her whole get up that. Get, gets Chris going. I know that she cut her hair because her sister had cancer, so that's part of her look right now, I guess, because of that. Um, but uh, I actually I was impressed with the women's match. I thought that they did well. You know, there's only four of them. They had that emotional piece with Becky and uh, Charlotte, and um, yeah, like I said, I was, I was very impressed with the EO Sky. Uh, obviously, the faces won in that one. And uh, the men's survivor, the men's war game match was was good. Um, you know, watching Randy Orton come back was fantastic. I'm kind of getting a little tired of Damian Priest almost casting casting in the the Money in the Bank. I'm okay with them doing it, but like I just kind of wish that they would do it a little bit faster. Where it's like, oh, like he's cashing it in, and the ref's standing there, and he's like, "Are you going to cash it in?" He's like, "Yes." It's right. like, okay, ring the bell and get it over with. But, like, it's always, like, a, sl- a small pause and then Randy Orton's music. It's like, I wish they got to the, like, before the referee said, do you want to cash it in? Like, how many times does he have to say he's going to cash it in before it happens? I get it. It's part of it. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Even, like, the Miz and um, Gunther's match was, you know, it was okay. Like, it was never going to be this, the the mat- the uh, event stealing. And uh, with CM Punk coming back, like, you could kind of – I always get the feeling when you watch WWE, like it's it's not over until you see that WWE logo at the end. And so, like with the fact that they weren't cutting away after the match, 
I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Not I that I want to keep fucking on watching it. it I should have known yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just like, this is weird. I'm like, I didn't think that CM Punk was going to come out, but I was like, what are they waiting for? And it's like, okay, well, there's really only one thing it could be. And there was kind of been rumors, but, you know, it was like, it's never going to happen. And then when we watched the, I watched just the first part of the um, conference or whatever, press conference afterwards. And it was like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the interesting part for where I would come through for this. I think when we we're kind of talking about CM Punk and you're kind of talking about this whole thing, like we we're we we're kind of talking this a little about about this today, Josh. But you know, it's one of those things where it's really kind of WWE is a business, and it's one of the things that I like about them bringing him back was a scenario where uh, business is business. We're going to do the best to make as much money as possible. And you know what? The fans are going to love it. So whatever happens, we're going to say yes. And we're going to deal with the outs, uh, the outcome later. And that's, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, you know, we've, we've been really down on CM Punk and his, in his AEW stuff, just because of, you know, the bad relationships, um, self-righteous attitude all this stuff i mean we're not there but this is the stuff that we're here and this is what the majority of people are saying right so um i i think when you kind of look at this as a whole i think this was a great way to top off a pretty good card like um if i were to give it uh, a letter rating i'd give it an a minus and the reason that i i enjoyed it was um just because it kept my interest all the way through every single match and i i can't say that for a lot of the wwe pay-per-views this year the premium live events whatever you want to call them um my interest was pretty much capped all the way through. Like the, the the women's war game match, like you said, was unbelievable. The the spot with the moonsault off the cage was great. Like it just there was a good build up in that match and there was some good storytelling in each of the war game matches. But usually the letdown happens in the middle of the show, right? Usually happens with what would have been the Miz and Gunter, which would have been, you know, Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee, and with Zoe Stark and Ripley. But I felt that all those wrestlers really worked hard and they delivered really good matches you know at the end of it and the storytelling was great like the storytelling i think for me of santos escobar breaking away from the lwo is is going to be massive i thought he was going to be a massive star coming out of nxt um i knew he was going to have to buy his time and i think the best person that you could have put him with was Rey mysterio and you know what now he's going to get his chance to run with it on, on his own right um i don't think zoe disappointed in the match against ripley i thought that she did really really well um, and even with the Miz, the Miz put up a good fight, and there was a couple of spots against Kunter where you're like, man, this could go the Miz, Miz's way, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really going into that, um, that was something that over the last couple of PLEs, like, the WWE really lacked was that storytelling going in, and maybe that's the challenge of 12 premium live events a year, but I didn't think they were going to drop the ball for one of the big ones, which was the Survivor Series, and you know what, kudos, I thought it was a, a really, really good show, and they did a really, really good job. Um, the returns of CM Punk and Randy Orton just really added to that, right? So um, now that we talked with CM Punk, it, it was kind of crazy. Like, we, we've already talked a little bit about it, but, you know, the TikToks that happened afterward with Rhea basically CM Punk's music playing and then her basically giving him the finger, Seth Rollins going crazy in the ring, even Randy doing the, the wave where basically Phil waved back, right? Um, there's a lot of little intricacies that kind of happened there. And so, you know, there's a scenario where people were saying the wrestlers weren't told. There was some where they were saying they were told. Um, everything's a little bit different here and there. But, Chris, ultimately, the, the biggest question that we have here is CM Punk's return good for business? Or is this going to implode in, his, in WWE's face just like what happened to CM Punk in AEW? Uh yeah, like it's 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 like you know it's good for business. It's obviously good for business. Like the, there's no Triple H even said it himself. Like when it make when business makes sense, and it and it does make sense because he's it, Triple H said he's like this guy starts conversations. They're still talking about him, so he's he's right to go out and get him. Do we know? Like we've seen a guy who's been given a few chances, and he's gone out for business on his own on live TV at Raw before he left. He's he's busted bridges down. He's broken all those yeah. bridges in AEW down within. And they gave him another chance. They let him heal up. They let him come back. Everybody's going to work with him. And he still found a way. Like, he still found himself in trouble. I'm sorry. Maybe it's not his fault. But he's finding himself in these situations. So the common denominator is him. So, I mean, 
it's time will tell like we like to say on this thing like what we'll see i've read that there's um there's a behavior clause in his contract i've read that as well so do we do we think he's gonna follow that have like we we know phil brooks is the guy now He, he takes every every opportunity he has and the last ones since he's left wwe have all failed ufc failed aw failed twice ufc got two chances he failed twice so, I mean, if how is he going to show us that he's changed it? Didn't he, did he not say, I'm not here for whatever, I'm here for the money? Well, I think the truth of the matter is that Phil Brooks is egotistical. And I think he, he always has been. He's been like that on the indies. He's been like that all the way through. And that's okay. Like, I mean, if you have a bit of an ego and you're going to do the stuff that is, like, that's okay. As long as the ego that's trying to protect yourself, which is what the ego does... Um, isn't hurting other people. And that's the problem with people that are egotistical. If you, if your ego is protecting you at the, at the harm of others, that's where that's, that's the definition of egotistical to me. Right. So when you're looking at a lot of this moving forward, it's really tough to say. I think the behavioral clause is going to keep him in line for a time being, but I also think that he knows that he's not going to get the same leeway that he's going to get in AEW with WWE. He knows that if he fucks up, he's going to be done immediately. And especially with that clause in your contract. The question is, is can you withhold your behavior to the point that it, it doesn't work? I mean, one of the, the one of the biggest things about him leaving WWE at the end was the issue with the doctor and the issue with Cole Cabana, right? Which basically went into AEW and he caused problems in the WWE and then it basically almost, it cost him everything in AEW. Like, that was the main reason was some of the shit he said that he shouldn't have said, right? That was the, one of the leading causes um, to kick off the press conference that lead to where they went. So it, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. Um, the rumor is, is that he's going to be on SmackDown, I think on Friday night, like uh, next Friday. So today is Sunday. So on Friday, um, and he's going to potentially be there. Now, Josh, CM Punk's been a big topic. Um, you were, uh, you know, a, a big person that talked about, you know, CM Punk and, and his, status and the stuff that he's done in AEW is this good for business for WWE like do you think it's it's good for business long term and do you potentially see him working his way back into the graces of maybe being in the Hall of Fame for the WWE for this yeah I mean I sure hope so I like I really don't want to see him like CM Punk squander his chance I just think that like historically you know there's a big chance with that and I you know it's this is his last chance. He can't fuck it up with like if he fucks it up with C- WWE again. Where is he going? Impact? Like yeah, okay. Like he still get a paycheck. Just, yeah, sure, he could get a paycheck. I just think that it's like yeah, he'll go somewhere like that. But this is the show, and if he is, you know, it's definitely good for business because you look, he's like the most retweeted, the most like the one, the the biggest one time Instagram or whatever it was like, they're clearly, um, you know, making money off of this guy. And I think, you know, for WWE, just like you guys both said that if you can make money with somebody, even if it's going to be for a short period of time, who cares? Because if he fucks up, like you, you don't have, you have an out. I'm sure that there's like, you know, the clause is going to be like, you lose your contract, you lose X amount of dollars and you probably have a non-compete clause for three months. So like if CM Punk fucks it up, then WWE has an out. And like they have a lot of great superstars that they've been doing great without CM Punk. This just makes them, you know, it could really, um, you know, put a hamper, put a damper on AEW. And just because, you know, those fans who are watching AEW because they got to see what CM Punk was doing and that part of the story, like bringing people back to AEW or bringing people into AEW because they have the guy that no one could get back and that you never thought you'd see back in wrestling and that everybody wanted to see the, the story end. And so he's giving him the chance, but like he's 41. How long does he have? He looked a little bit, I don't know if he looked better in better shape coming in or maybe it was just, you know, like, I'm not sure he looked happy. So I'm hoping that he, you know, actually puts on some good matches. But Matt and I were saying earlier that maybe he has a better opportunity in WWE because the style's a little bit different, right? Like in AEW, the style 
I'm not saying it doesn't suit a guy who's 41, but it doesn't suit a guy who's 41 who hasn't wrestled in 10 years. Where in WWE, you've got guys who can, you know, not just carry your match, but you don't have to have a 60 minute fucking banger. You know, mm. you can have a 10 minute banger here or there. I just hope he doesn't rise to the top and gets a title shot right away. They've got like, you know, like, oh, he's going to come back and take Roman Reigns' title. Like, no. No, I, th- I think it, it, one of the things about that is that it actually gives another person that we can actually talk about who has a shot at Roman Reigns. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people that really have that option at this point. They're just feeding people to the wolves right now because, one, Roman barely wrestles anymore. Like, he's on the show hardly ever. And on top of that, they just don't have a lot of big names that are going to go through and really kind of go through. So it's interesting when he comes up because I think he's somebody on the mic that can really kind of destroy – Roman Reigns is going to go at him for the obvious stuff, and CM Punk's going to kind of find a way to shut him the fuck up, which would be great, you know. But that doesn't really seem to be the realm. We'll talk a little bit more about CM Punk after, uh, but you know, I'm kind of with you, Josh. I think you basically hit it on the head. I mean, it's either like how many strikes do you need to have. Chris, you said it best. Like he's fucked up everything after that WWE stint. I mean, the only thing that he was really good at, in my opinion, was being like uh, being like a, a sportscaster when he did it. On some of those, yeah. on some of those MMA fights, and he did a really good job for like I think he was one. He did cage rage for a couple. Like, yeah, I thought he was great on the mic when he did those. Um, and you but, know, but anything, it. anything that would come out like weird, where he could reference what he did to WWE, he would reference it in his MMA commentary. So he just shows you like how self centered he is. He's still talking about this shit, right? Yeah, and and, and he's an ego, and and that's it. You know what? You're gonna have people that are gonna be like that, and it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. You look at the biggest people that have been the most charismatic in WWE history. You look at like him, Shawn Michaels, like who else? Like Hogan, like Diesel. Hogan. Like oh, Kevin Nash to a point, like Kevin Ma- Kevin Nash. Now that he's getting older, understands everything that he did wrong. And Shawn Michaels, when he kind of got to a point where he, you know, found Christianity again, realized everything he did wrong. Hulk Lost Hogan, smile. Hulk Hogan realized it took him a lot longer than both those guys, but he kind of realized what he's done wrong. I don't think CM Punk has realized anything that he's done wrong at this point, and I think that's a scenario for that'll be a topic for another day, right? So, <clears throat> it, but. That there's there's a fine line between with those ego, like egotists like being in having that ego having that confidence having that I hate to use this as a pun but that swerve I guess you know to really kind of get yourself in there I mean you have to have both of those things to be charismatic to the point of no return especially with millions of people now it makes it very very difficult but those are the ones that are going to be like Josh said the Instagram breakers the TikTok breakers. Like, it's like, why is Logan Paul one of the most viewed people on TikTok? And you talk to anybody and everybody says they fucking hate that guy. But yet people still watch him, right? Because he's charismatic as shit. It's it's weird. But with that... That's a lot of douchebags. Oh, that's too. a lot of douchebaggery for sure that we just talked about. I mean, on a personal level, on an entertainment <laughs> yeah. level, it's a different fucking story. Um, but Chris, you know what? Survivor Series came around um, in the match, you know, uh, in the... In the um, the main event with the war games. Uh, basically, there was this, uh, is Randy actually going to show up? But Randy fucking shows up. So Randy's up there, too. I'm sure Josh will look up his age. He's got to be 40 plus at this point. Definitely. He's 42. He's only one year older than Punk at that point. That's weird to me. But anyways, <clears throat> Randy shows up and looks like he's almost in one of the best shapes of his career. Looks like he put on about 10 pounds muscle. He looks jacked. He had a fucking six pack. I really don't know what else to say, but you know what? That guy comes in and, you know, basically decimates house. Chris, how excited were you for the return of Randy Orton? I mean, it's been probably close to what, nine months now, I'd probably say. I don't know. I, I don't know how accurate that number is, but it felt like close to a year. Yeah, it was what, May 2020? May 2022. Yeah, so that'd be, I don't know, that's what? But over, a little over a year, yeah. Yeah, like no, I'll be like 10 months if it's uh, May 2020. Well, if it's May 2022, that would have been, yeah, so fuck, like May 2022. Year. 18 months. Yeah. He was off for 18 months. Wow. So, like, okay. Like, I marked out a little bit because when he came back in the shape he did, like, when he when the, when the music hit and he came out, I'm like, oh, shit. See, like, Randy's a guy, uh, unlike CM Punk. CM Punk came back. I mean, his he was wearing T-shirts a lot of times. He's covering up places. So, but when Randy came back, Randy was in shape, right? And that that RKO off the top of the cage, like that guy hasn't wrestled in almost a year and a half. 
And he's he's going out there like that's you got to be ready for that. So you you have to practice that. Like you have to be ready and, and confident to say like I can do that because if I don't, somebody's gonna get hurt. So to see him come back the way he did and on SmackDown, I believe he got he RKO'd Nick Aldis at the end. Like perfect. Yeah. I love it. It's back. And I think I hope they do this. And I think they're gonna run. I think they're gonna run him pretty hard because I think they're gonna put injury time on his contract. So they're probably gonna make the best use of it. So and I, I love it. I'm here for it. I love Randy Orton. I love everything he does. There's there's no way that they're not gonna use that 18 months as Zaz injury as part of the contract to lengthen that contract. There's no fucking way like that they even go one month off of that. Because he's just such a hit. It doesn't matter what he does. He could just literally show up on every show, not even do anything, and just RKO somebody and walk out for the rest of his career. And they would still have to pay him millions of dollars just because it's so good. But I have to agree with you, Chris. Like, as far as his in-ring stuff goes, I don't know if there's anything Didn't anybody miss a beat. else. Didn't miss a beat. But I don't know if there's anybody else like him. He has, like, the word that I'm going to use is, like, a kinesthesia, which is, like, basically... Perfect understanding of a body movement. And he just understands how it all works. And when that happens, that's when you create these RKOs out of nowhere. Dallas Page did the same thing with his diamond cutter on some of them. He just knew where the person was going to be and could fucking hit it out of nowhere. Now, Page couldn't do that with anything else, but with the diamond cutter, he sure as fuck could. But Randy can do it with anything. He can do it with that DDT through the ropes. He can do it with suplexes. He can like he's just oh the power so... slam. Oh, oh my god! My god. Yeah. Oh, it, it I, like made my I got hard I, when he got oh, back. Oh yeah, I almost, I almost, I climaxed. I was close. I was close. <laughs> but you know, like it's just it's unreal the stuff that he can do. And and if he if he doesn't get utilized at some point in the future as a trainer or somebody that could really help people along, what a what a fucking shame that would be. The stuff that guy could teach people would be unbelievable. But um, you know, Josh, we talked about his Randy's return on the podcast coming back too, and you know what? Randy's getting up there in age, and I mean we always talk when anybody's plus forty about, you know, is this like is this their last run? But Randy has a body, and Randy has some stuff that could probably take him to 50, no problem. So I will ask you this kind of this weird question, like even if you're going through, do you think that he's going to have a world title run at some point? Do you think it's going to be a universal championship run, or do you think it's going to be a, a, a world heavyweight championship run um, with what's going on? Because, I mean, right now it seems like he's going to be on SmackDown, and, and rumor has it that he's going to be challenging Roman Reigns in the near future. So um, do you think that's going to be um, a legit – do you think he's a legit contender to Roman Reigns' title? Oh, I mean, if Randy Orton's not a legit contender to your title, then, you know, who the fuck is? Randy Orton's the – you know, like greatest could be, you know, potentially one of the greatest of all time, obviously, um, just based on his career that he's had. I mean, youngest, youngest heavyweight champion, you know, at 24, he's 43. So like we would have went to high school with Randy Orton, which is scary because none of us look like Randy Orton. <laughs> we also, we are also um, not CM professional Punk's, wrestlers. <laughs> C- CM Punk's 45. Uh, but you know, it's so, uh, I think Randy Orton definitely has a run in his future. I think he's clearly going to fight Roman Reigns, uh, probably not going to win, uh, which is okay. But if he beat Roman Reigns, then that would be someone that could take that title. And it would be, if he wouldn't be a bad person to take it off of Roman, still think that the story goes where Cody takes it off of Roman at WrestleMania, potentially Phil Brooks, who knows. But I, I I definitely see a title in Randy Orton's future. I think that the only way that his contract doesn't get extended because of the injury time is because he just retires. But he's definitely not going anywhere. It's not like he's going to leave for AEW. Yeah. He'll, he'll always have a place in WWE until he's too hurt to wrestle anymore. Does uh, Do Cowboy, like... Does the do the Ortons and the do the Ortons and the Rhodes have any history? Um, I, you know what, Chris? That's something that I I've never really gone as far back to really find out. I, I I don't know if they actually did. You would have to assume that they probably met at some point, right? But I'm so not, I'm, I'm saying not, I'm, that could be kind of it. That could be kind of interesting, though, right? Like if if Cody and and Orton get into something, if those two families, I I just sorry, just came to my mind. I didn't. I was just thinking, have they ever crossed paths before? 
I think the problem with that is that the they've li- wrestled that the um that the lineage like lineage would be an, a really interesting family lineage would be a really interesting thing to feud over if that was the case. But I still think it's going to come back to stuff in legacy. I think that'll be probably the big thing that they'll talk about when they come back in and doing it right. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited for Randy's return. I think. <clears throat> the WWE has been really lacking for stars. I think the return of Orton and the return of Punk are going to be really good for them in the future. It gives them more press um, to try to, <clears throat> you know, put stuff together with more matches. It gives some better matches for some of the younger talent too, even if they're just trying to get over or even if they get killed by these guys, you know, it's just, they're, they're just, they're guys that are going to help your company out. And when you're trying to run two massive brands like raw and SmackDown together, like, to me, it's almost there's almost like no understanding for me on why these guys aren't going to Raw. It's like it seems like they really want to stack up SmackDown and uh, or to try and make Raw a very specific show for the Judgment Day at this point, really. So, uh, with that, we'll come back. We're gonna come back to CM Punk a little bit because there's a, ma- a massive rumor really going around right now. One of the things that we actually heard was. Uh, some WrestleMania talk and you know one of the scary parts about this time of the year when we're coming into I'm not going to say it's the winter of punk like they were saying it's the summer of punk because it, it really isn't but we're in December now WrestleMania is running around already so we're, we're going to be heading into the thick of the storylines um, starting in January and February especially going into the Royal Rumble right um, a lot of people right now are talking about well if the plans are already made what's going to what's going to be in there for Phil or for CM Punk right so what we've been hearing right now is there's a rumored anticipated match between CM Punk and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So uh, I've read this in a couple different articles that happened over the weekend. Now, Josh, we'll start with you. When you kind of think of these matches um, with people that haven't wrestled in years and years and years, usually they have somebody that carries the match. Do you think that Punk and Austin is going to be a mic fest for four weeks and then really have a disappointing match? Or do you think that they can actually pull something off if Steve Austin actually has enough time to actually train and, and get in shape? Because with the Kevin Owens one, he didn't really have a lot of time and he looked really out of it. But if he has time and they kind of go through with this match now, do you think that this has a shot at being a decent, I'm not going to say the greatest match on the card, but will it be a decent match that will kind of match what happens with the mic work? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it definitely won't be like, I mean, if you're going to rate the match, it would be like if John Cena was in the match. Like, I mean, I think it, it's a C at best. I mean, CM to imagine CM Punk carrying a match right now with a guy who hasn't wrestled in, you know, well over a year, only wrestled once in the last, what, decade? I had nothing against, I think that. I don't know. This match is probably for sure going to happen. You know, they'll probably give CM Punk the main event with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin to uh, give CM Punk his main event at WrestleMania. <laughs> On night one, know. at least. It better not yeah, be fucking night two, that's for sure. So, I, I mean, it'll be whatever. I'm. It, it's better than uh, CM Punk and Roman Reigns and CM Punk winning the Universal title because that's bullshit, too. So... Um, I guess if you're going to give him a gimmick, ma- like a match that's kind of a throwaway with, with Austin, that's fine by me because, uh, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to invest in CM Punk. So I'm happy with that. Chris, do you think like what do you think like some of the implications would be from this match? I think like do you like I think of a match like this and I think of how, you know, TKO and Endeavor and stuff can really kind of take these two guys and run with it and kind of do like a tail of the tape type deal. We know that like we know as wrestling fans that this match is probably going to fall a little bit short on the technicality stuff. Right. <clears throat> but is it worth it just to watch CM Punk get stunned like three times in the middle of that ring at WrestleMania on day on night one? I doubt CM Punk's contract. We'll let him do that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. To to me, it would, like this isn't where I go with it. I think uh, like Austin, it was awesome. It was awesome when Austin showed up at the last one, but he had KO. He had KO bring yep. him through the match, right? So, like, if Austin's coming back and Punk's, you know, like we've been talking about, like he's not the one I want to watch. Like carry Austin through a match, right? Like Austin's gonna do the best he can. But he met, he's going to need some help. He's going to need somebody to to help him out through the spots. And really don't think CM Punk would be that guy. I doubt he's going to have a lot of ring time. Up. Uh, I I don't know how much like how many times do you think he's going to wrestle on 
on weekly shows. I don't think he's going to have that much work in because he's the kind of guy who can do that. Like he moves the needle. So they don't care. They don't care how much you've worked. Right. So do I don't know. I think I think it would be kind of shitty. Like when we saw Triple H and Shawn Michaels wrestle the Brothers of Destruction. That's what I think we'd be looking at, which was not pleasant. No, that's a bunch of old guys who couldn't really hack it anymore. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, uh, what, what could happen there. I just think from kind of looking at it from a different angle, I think like from a, from a, an advertising marketing perspective, I think it's a, it's a gem of a match. And I think that there's something there that can go through. I, I I'm not talking about the wrestling product. Cause again, like we're not, we're not talking about some of the stuff that we're going to see in AEW here, but I think WrestleMania is so long that you can throw it in the middle and it kind of gets forgotten. But I, I honestly believe that the first four to six weeks or whatever the buildup with this, with Punk at the mic and with potentially Austin raising hell, if he's up to it and he, and he does a good job with it, I think we could really have a good story going into a 10 minute match. That would be decent. It's not good. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute banger. It doesn't have to be fucking anything. Just go in there hit each other with stop signs and then just have fucking CM Punk get stunned three times. And I think like you're doing what's right for business right there. Right. Like I think like a couple, couple Steve Weisers, you know, Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be big enough right there is like, he's always going to get the cheer and CM Punk's going to get booed out of the building. And that's what you really want out of that. If that's what you want out of that. Right. So I think it kind of sells itself, but <clears throat> I agree with you. I don't think the wrestling product's going to be bad. I think Josh, you're right. It's not going to be much more than a C punk, uh, C C punk, C uh, like a C plus match at best. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. They're they're both two old guys, but that's why you don't give like John Cena a 20 minute match. I think that's stupid. Like keep that match 10, 12 minutes, and you know just go through the spots and and you know try not to look like you pissed your pants. Right? Like that's basically what it is. Because John Cena looked like he pissed his pants a few times in that match against fucking. Uh, What's his face there? Hello? Yeah, against Sokoa, right? So it was just like, he just looked like he was going to fucking die in the ring. So, yeah, what's the point of doing 15 or 20 minutes in that? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, we're going to have a bunch of stuff coming up from WWE this week. We're going to get ready. We'll watch some Raw, get everything ready, and we'll talk about that stuff next week. It'll be really interesting to see, especially coming off such a great show. Um, and uh, get ready for the end of the year there, but... We're going to move on to AEW and we're going to talk about, uh, you know, basically some of the results in the Continental Classic. That's basically going on. We're basically two matches deep. Uh, we're a little bit uh, kind of short on one of the matches when we look at it just because of Brian Danielson's injury. So when we look at the blue table, there's uh, still a match to be played with uh, Danielson and Andrade Alidolo. But guys... This has been a great tournament so far. We're kind of already looking. We're kind of already seeing a couple of upsets and um, kind of seeing some things. So, uh, Chris, when you're looking at this, um, what are your thoughts on the tournament so far moving forward? And you're, Are you excited at seeing somebody like Brody King being at the top of the blue division right now with six points? Yeah, you know, you know, I yeah, am. We talked about this before. And, and like I was telling you guys, I, I sent you that website. I said they have their own website. It's like it's got all the rules for everything, how the points work. Like this is it's it's cool. Like this is it gives you like like the nerd wrestle like us, like the nerds of wrestling. We see this like, oh, shit, we can follow this shit. So we <laughs> like this stuff. Um, Brody King loved it. Like I thought that win over Castagnoli, that's I think that was that was a big win for him. Um Kuzi got left, so he's got He's got so he's, da- gonna he's, beat got- Dan- he's gonna beat Daniel Garcia. Well, he's got Daniel Garcia. He's gonna have to fight Daniel Garcia, Danielson, and Andrade left over because he's beaten Kingston and he's beaten Castagnoli. So he's gonna he's gonna beat Garcia. Well, unless Garcia pulls on pulls a fast one and they use that to kind of get Garcia his win. I don't know. Like it could go. There's so many places it could go, but um, with him having the two, like the the quick, I I like it. I like the storytelling because you're he may not win it, but you're showing him to be like he's he's like getting out in front, and you're like, oh, you're you're watching him now. And you say Brody King's in the lead. We didn't expect that. Josh, what are your thoughts think- on Bro- what's what are your thoughts on Brody King being at the top of the blue division right now? And uh, you know, because we we've, we've talked about him a few times on the show. We talked about how we love his finisher, that Gonzo bomb, and everything that he has. Tell me, what are your thoughts um, uh, about him uh, leading the blue division at this point? Oh, I think it makes total sense. I mean, he's a total monster. Just the way that he wrestles, like he shouldn't lose to very many people, and if he does, 
you know, how he loses, it would be important. I, I think that, you know, a guy like Brian Danielson can beat him, but I think that he beats everybody else. I, I actually think he beats Brian Danielson in the, at least in the bracket, because does, is it, is the, the highest score move on or is there whoever, whoever, then like a whoever, playoff? No, it's whoever wins it goes through. So basically if, if Brody okay. King loses, to, if Brody King beats Danielson, he's either going to do one of two things. He's going to run the table or he's going to lose to Andrade or Garcia. Which I don't see yeah. that happening. Both two, no. two in a row. No. But I think that he could. I think that he could be one that wins the whole thing. I, I mean, Danielson. Of course, he makes sense, but he's been injury prone. I think that it makes more sense to try to put it on a guy like Brody King. I don't think Brody King wins the whole thing. I think that I still think I'm still still going with Swerve on this one. But uh, um, yeah, so I think that uh, Brody King for sure. He's one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW. I wish we got to see more of him. Yeah, I think, I one think of the, we I think, are. I, I think, think we are getting that actually. Yeah, you are. I think one of the challenges too is that, like, really, it's uh, you know what, Collision is one of those ones where it's the weekend, it's Saturday, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. And I think he's been majoritively on there, right? So you get to see him on Dynamite as much, but um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. I think we're gonna see probably either King and Danielson come out of this, or maybe even see something a little bit crazier if like Castagnoli comes out of nowhere. I, I don't know. Like you also have Andrade that's in there that with CJ Perry that can play a factor. The, the story in this isn't really over, but you know what? I can't see Brody King winning the tournament, but I think this is a stepping stone for him because like we were talking about earlier, he's one of the top three guys that AEW should be pushing right now. We've talked about the pillars, and let's face it, it's 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 not really any of the pillars. I think there's you could be looking at three new pillars coming out of AEW and Brody King, Swerve Stickland, and Jay White. That, and that's what you're saying that, earlier. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right with that. That'll really that'll really move the company forward. And then you got some of these guys that are in these smaller spots. Like I, I really like the work, even though Eddie Kingston is 0-2. I've really liked his work. I think he brings something emotional to the show. John Moxley plays a psychotic character who doesn't really care or have any empathy for anything. And I and I love that too, right? Um his wrestling has taken a beating, but at the end of the day, he does what he does best. He gives out beatings, right? So it's kind of interesting. Like another guy that you really want to kind of see push here are the two Mexican stars, like Roosh, Andrade Alidolo. They've been they've been pretty big in some companies. Like Andrade was the NXT champion. Roosh was a, an ROH World Champion for a long period of time. Like and and they can go. Like I mean, this is a, a an awesome term to go through. But Brody King being at the top to me is is something right here, and uh, I think it's really going to be between him and Danielson in that blue group moving forward. Now. Looking at the goal side, uh, Dynamite had a main event that had a really big win, which was Swerve against uh, beating Jay White, right? And Josh, I know that you have Swerve basically um, winning that gold side and potentially winning this whole tournament. Uh, do you think he's going to run the table 4-0, or do you think he's going to have a, uh, a problem running into Moxley? Because Moxley's the the other guy that's undefeated at 2-0 and at this point. I mean, I think Moxley's the other clear top person in on the gold side, so... <laughs> You know, I, I, you could see, um, I could see a Moxley Danielson final as well, um, which would, you know, put the, put them back against each other. I just, I don't know, just the way that Swerve is going right now, I think that it, it's not to say that it doesn't make sense for him to lose. It's just like, if he's going to lose, it will be to, it could be, it would be to Moxley. I don't think he loses to anybody else in the table, just the way he's running and losing to Moxley wouldn't hurt anybody because, you know, he's, he's the highest paid at AEW right now. And he's also, you know, guy that you could put any title on or never have a title on and he just does he draws and he you know gives you those big spots so i uh yeah i think swerve is uh i think swerve's still gonna win yeah john mox's versatility is something that's actually unbelievable when you kind of look at it you can really fill any role that you want him to at this point and that's probably why he gets paid the big bucks right but um, these tournaments are massive for for really building up some of the uh, some of these uh, these new stars that come kind of come out of nowhere, and especially with the triple crown belts and and having the ability to defend on a new Japan programming plays a big interest. Chris, do you think that uh, Swerve is the man for this job, or, or do you kind of go with with Moxley or even Jay White potentially even coming back out and, and winning that? Because personally, that's why I thought Jay White would win the tournament. I think that he'd be a really good fit for those three belts, but. Um, it looks like AEW might be leaning towards Swerve here. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, I think like I think Jay White's the easiest choice just from like his pedigree and background from NJPW and stuff like that. So 
Like he already knows how to hold a belt there. He already knows how to run stories there. He's already worked with them. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just the more you look at it, like there's so many names in this tournament altogether. Like even Jay White, even look at Jay White. Like he's he's been around. Yeah, it's just it's more fun. The more the more you kind of get into it, the more fun it gets. Like the King of the Ring used to be, except you don't lose once and you're out. You still have a chance to get back in. Um. I agree with Josh. I think Swerve comes out of the gold. And maybe like I was saying, how we saw Swerve and Jay White wrestle, and I thought maybe that would have been a better choice to see who goes out of the tournament. But maybe we'll see Swerve and Moxley to see who goes out of the tournament. Yeah, you know, it's, so, it's it'll be kind of crazy when you kind of go through that uh, to actually see really what happens with that Andrade-Danielson match. I think that's going to be a pretty big match, too, that uh, to kind of fill in the squares there. But uh, that'll be probably done at a later date. I don't know when the replay is on that. So, But Dynamite will really have uh, a bunch of things. Josh, were you going to add something there? No. No? Okay. No. no, sorry. I thought I saw something. My bad. Okay. Well, we're all looking forward. Continental Classic has been fucking gangbusters so far. So uh, we're going to look at to see some more great matches there on Wednesday and on uh, on Saturday. So that'll be great. It's going to take us all the way to the end of the year, which is going to be fun. Now, for our next AEW topic, we, we definitely have more of this, you know, devil in the mask story. We're going to keep it coming out here. We're going to keep talking about rumors, stuff that we think, conspiracy theories. But we're actually getting something a little bit... Um, concrete on Wednesday night on Dynamite, um, which is basically Joe and so Samoa Joe and MJF are basically, you know, Samoa Joe reluctantly being in a tag team match against two of the masked men um, on Dynamite. So I don't know, Chris, we we're kind of talking about this before um, about, okay, well, you're gone. So we'll start with Josh. So <laughs> he just fucking walks out. What a, what a guy. <laughs> I hope he listens to this and realizes, like, oh, I gotta pee or something. Anyways, um, Josh, we're talking about kind of like what this feels like with uh, with the devil mask and these two masked men. Like, do you think we're kind of losing it here? Like, do you th- obviously these guys aren't going to take their masks off when they fight on Wednesday, right? Like, do you, do you think that this has a, a really big aces and eights feel from from Impact, which is something we talked about last week? Like, do you think this is even going to be a good match? Uh, something that you're looking forward to on Dynamite? Uh, it's going to be really hard because I think like if it's anybody on the current roster or anybody we've seen that's not on the indies, you're pretty much going to be able to tell who it is just based on the style of wrestling that they're doing. Unless, of course, they just do stuff that's different. Like, it's not going to be like, I'm not expecting it to be like Mr. America where it's very obvious, but I think that there's a chance that we might recognize who the wrestlers are. Unless, of course, they're, you know what happens is that they're like, you know, you're not going to fight mask guys. You're going to fight, you know, two of the hardest guys in the, you know, in the, in uh, AEW. And it's just a fucking, you know, that's part of the story. It's not like has nothing to do with the mask guys, but if it's mass people, uh, hopefully they get some local talent or something that, you know, that are relatively good wrestlers, but uh, can, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. This part of the story, it makes it more for me, it, it makes it more feel like it's MJF that's the devil because, you know, Joe's, he, Joe, Joe's gonna be his, his, uh, you know, who's fighting for the title at, uh, World's End. And, you know, MJF accepting a, you know, all of these matches is very un MJF like. And so, you know, maybe that's the way it goes. Uh, it's still like you know. Adam Joe's Cole's Joe's really very easy. similar in size to Wardlow. Oh fuck, Chris, yeah, you're back! Oh so. my god, I was asking you questions and you were walking out of the door. I had to pee. <laughs> Sorry, I had to pee. Great, but yeah. So <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think that there's a chance that uh, you know it's like still Adam Cole. It's quite easy to, for it to be Adam Cole. So well, I, it's funny because there's one of the not. videos, Josh. Sorry to cut you off. There's one of the videos that kind of showed up on Twitter where they had Cole in the wheelchair when one the thing from two weeks ago where he's in the wheelchair and it looked like he was looking at Max and then it looked like he pressed a button. I don't know if anybody's seen that video. And then it, all of a sudden the devil showed up and started laughing, but it clearly looked like he pressed something from his wheelchair. So like, it's kind of weird. Like Josh, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I'm starting to think now, like, 
this is it's starting to look more like it's MJF, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's gonna try to try to turn, and then Cole's gonna be the face to try and beat him again, and that's kind of gonna be the rematch from All In, right? Like, but so many different ways they can go with it. It's 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 fucking crazy at this point. Chris, you I just want to build up. off. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I know. Sorry, Bill, I ghosted you there, <laughs> real quick, eh? No, um, we were missing. While no. I was talking, about, we were talking about I had an aces and eights question, so you kind of ah shit. On it. So uh, what you said, um, what you said there, like makes me makes me think about it, like with the dropping of a hint, like I want to see more hints. I want to see more hints and I want to see little hints like what you used to see with the Bray Wyatt stuff. I want to see little hints where somebody's pressing a button and then something happens and then you have to you, you think, oh, like, did I just see that? Yeah. So I want what what you're saying is wh- that you notice that if they're starting to put that in there, I'm going to really like it. Like, I, I'm going to be on it. I'm going to want to watch it. And I just hope they I just hope it, it could be anybody. I want it to go back to, you know, when everybody was gunning for MJF. It seems like now he's just has Joe that's taking care of him. But I like I want Edge in that picture, like randomly, like just Edge is talking to someone in the backstage, you know, when the camera goes by or something where anybody it could be anybody yeah i think like it's gonna be fun like i think what josh was saying when you were when you were uh when you were taking a, a bathroom break there was um or a bio break as people like to call them now in the 2023rd century Fucking oh weird. jesus but um was basically that uh Oh my god, I lost my train of thought. Was that Josh was saying like it would be a big disappointment if the masked men really had distinct styles and we could figure out who they are? Like we're kind of hoping that you're going to use like people that you know are going to be different so that you can't really figure them out, right? And I think that's really what it was. I mean, one of the things that made the aces and eights work was that the first two guys that they really went after was um, that that you couldn't really figure out were the first two guys they unmasked, which was Mike Knox from the WWE, and then the other one was. Uh, Wes Briscoe? <laughs> no, it wasn't Wes Briscoe, but he was probably the best. He was probably the best reveal from doing the gut shot thing and doing gut check and then winning gut check and like having them go through. But the second guy was uh, who's the big guy with Carl Anderson and uh, the the Bullet Club tag team? Well, in the in the OC. Oh, uh, Gallows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gallows. Gallows. Yeah, yeah. So Gallows was the also the the second guy. So Mike Knox was the first guy that got on mass. I'm pretty sure, and Gallows was the second guy that got on mass. And then it was like D'Lo Brown, and then it was Taz. Taz did the wedding. That's where he got released. And then it was uh, when Wes Briscoe got released. It was like Garrett Bischoff was the other guy that unmasked at the same time that Wes Briscoe was unmasked. Aces so, and eights is pretty cool. It was a yeah, pretty cool story. Yeah, it was sweet. And then it was like the gradual. Mr. Kennedy was in there for a bit. Yeah, Mr. Anderson. He basically got he got beat down into submission until he signed uh, until he got in there. And then, but what a great story! I watched the whole thing. There's actually Chris. I know how much you like these things, Josh too. There's like a a, a four hour thing on the, the from the very beginning of the aces and eights until the very end where Bully Ray wins the title. Like it's it's really well done. Um, strongly recommend to watch it. I watched it the other night, uh, off and on for two nights. It was really good. So, but you were talking about the hints, right? It's all about those little nuances, those little things that come out. And, um, I, I don't think we have a doubt at this point that I'll be very shocked if this goes on beyond world's end. Um, I, I, I think we're going to have a resolution hopefully by then, but, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see with this match where it's going to be on the card. Um, you know, is is this going to be after the first hour? Is it going to be your main event match? Does this storyline take precedent over the Continental Classic? I think, like, really, it's the storyline's kind of being hard to book with what's going on right now. So it's it's kind of really going to be a challenge. But I think only really time will tell, right? So that'll be cool. Now, for our last topic of the evening, um, we're going to talk about. Uh, Probably a match that's going to happen at World's End for the TNT title. We're going to talk about Christian Cage and Adam Copeland, something that we didn't necessarily think we were going to see in the very beginning. We thought we were going to get maybe a tag title run. Maybe they're going to work together, but definitely looks like this. On uh, I think it was on um, Dynamite, basically. Um, Luchasaurus, or now known as Killswitch, and Nick Wayne weren't there after getting beat down. And basically Cage and Copeland had a one-on-one where Cage called him out. 
Uh, Copeland told him he was going after the title. Cage tried to sweeten everything over and said, let's do the tag team thing. You know what? We're thinking, we're, like, trying to get in his head. And then all of a sudden, Edge turned, and Christian tried to hit him with the title, and then Edge kicked him right in the ding-dong. <laughs> and then right after the ding-dong, he says the favorite words. Josh, what did he say? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, he does. He said, go fuck yourself. And basically, But he almost message. forgot. He almost forgot to say it, too. Yeah, it was he was a like, little. Oh, bit I there. almost forgot. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, I, I almost forgot. Go fuck yourself. But <clears throat> um, I think this is going to be a really crazy match. I think if when you look at these two talents, um, and just you know, not just charisma but chemistry that they have between each other, um, going into this, and you know, really trying to get Copeland over with an AEW crowd, he's over already, but really trying to get him to that next upper echelon for where he is in the company. Um, we talk about all these young guys, but we kind of forget that we have like almost a, like basically a triple crown WWE champion on that roster, <laughs> um, you know, or a grand slam champion, I think is what the, the name of it is. Chris, I made a mistake there, but, um, you know, when you're looking at this guys, like this, like we talk about match dealers. And I think when we're looking at this card, this match could potentially fucking do it. But do you think that the chemistry of these two, Josh is, is really going to carry them through this entire thing all the way to world's end. Are we looking at a storyline that's going to be one for the ages in AW with these two? Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to a couple episodes ago where Matt, you were saying that, you know, the TNT title really needs to be brought to the forefront saying that it, it wasn't there. Um, but I think that this has just been the long burn since Adam Copeland came back that, you know, having that tag match or that trios match and then having, you know, the slow buildup gives you everything that you want. And then at the same time, it gives you the opportunity where, you know, depending on how this match goes, you could see one or the other turn. And then maybe we do get the tags, the tag team back together. Cause like that would be crazy to see them wrestle the Hardys one more time. You know, like you bring back a whole generation, like regardless of how bad the Hardys are physically, like they're just not, they're just not physically there anymore. But if we could see Edge and Christian fight the Hardys one more time, you'd have like, you know, everybody from our generation being like, okay, we've got to watch this. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I think that it's great. I think that it's, you know, maybe it's likely we see Adam Copeland win, maybe kill switch, switches teams or whatever. I don't know. Like it's kind of interesting to see. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of, you know, hoping that we get to see a different side of Luchasaurus. Oh, Matt coughs his fucking lungs. Chris, out can there. you imagine seeing fucking Edge and Christian or fucking Adam Copeland and Christian Cage against the Hardys in a TLC match in AEW? Uh, well, like you'd need okay, so you'd need, you'd need crutches and there. some crutches and some wheelchairs, <laughs> and you'd need Gangrel. and you'd need Gangrel, and you'd need you'd need the brood to come out. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you have a question for me? No, I think I think the question going into this is like, yeah, Josh is absolutely right. We talked. Because I can this. build on what Josh is saying. No, it's cool. Like it's, uh, I, I'm gonna kind of take from there. But you know what? Like we we do we we kind of do need to build this TNT title up, right? Uh, it, like I mean, Cage is the champion right now. <clears throat> I think this is a perfect way for it to go. I don't know if this was the route they were gonna go all the way through, but I think this is that this is a match that can really go through. Is this a show stealer for you at World's End? You know, like just for just for the nostalgia of it. Yeah, it is like to like we've never have we ever seen them wrestle each other like in a in an actual feud. I don't think so. No, I don't think we've even seen that when they were when they were together in WWE. I don't even know if there really was a feud with them together, like kind of. Edge they kind of just own broke up. And, they kind of just just went their own way, right? Yeah, and then when so, Edge came back, the last the last interaction was basically Christian throwing a hissy fit because Edge wouldn't walk into. Teddy Long's office to get him a world champ, like heavyweight title shot because he lost the last four times. And then Edge called him a little bitch. And then he said he told him to get the fuck out of here, basically. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like uh, I, I'm interested in it just for like we've we, we grew up with watching these two guys and and to see, you know, it's it's been a slow burn. And what Josh was saying, like at, at first we're, you know, I'm happy that Edge is happy where he is. He wants to go work with his friend. He's not saying, go put me in the main, go put, go give me a title. Like he's, no, don't go, like, or the world title. Sorry. He's not putting himself in that. He wants to work with Jay and he wants to, like, 
do some business with him before I think they're both done. And I think this is the only opportunity where they had to do it. So um, I think show stealing wise, I think they're both because they're going to wrestle on dynamite, right? <clears throat> yeah. So I think, I, I, I don't think, know when they're going to wrestle, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, like when they go through, like I'm pretty sure I thought this title match was for world's end. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think he was going to fight, but if even if it is for dynamite, I still think it's going to happen at world's end again. <laughs> Yeah, so that's I just wanted to confirm that. But so I think it should happen at World's End. And I think uh, what we'd see from those two, because I think they've they've wrestled pretty smart with their bodies. They've been able to stay in the game for a while. Edge Edge has been hurt a little bit, but but uh, Christian's been okay. So I think uh, like what we'll see is is going to be like everything they have left. So I think that's I I I think it'll be I think it'll definitely it, it could definitely steal that show. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the the entirety of everything plays out. And I think when we're we're kind of um, looking at it, I think it's really going to be kind of cool with everything coming up in Montreal too for next week. So <clears throat> we're going to see a lot of cool stuff there. I know that uh, basically Tuesday, uh, the December fifth and sixth will be in Montreal, which is always going to be a rowdy crowd. I'm actually really interested to see how the AEW crowd is going to do in Montreal. If it's going to sell out, if it's going to be extremely rowdy like everything was in Toronto, because I think that's a, a really good indicator of where they're going to kind of be ending up when they come to Canada, right? Like, I mean, <clears throat> if you're doing a bigger show than WWE is, like, that's great. That's really what you want. I mean, WWE is going to have a little bit of a different demographic, but that'll be kind of really interesting moving forward. But yeah, I'm all for Cajun Copeland. I'm all for them killing themselves. I think if it goes to world's end, I think we might even see a stipulation in there, like maybe a no DQ or last man standing. I'd love to see a no DQ. I think that would be great for them. And um, they're going to fucking kill each other. And that's going to be great. And I, I always love that when that happens. But gentlemen, other than that, that's basically it for our topics. Josh, pull out your yeah. fucking meat grinder and get ready lube up whatever it is you're going to lube up there on the blades you got to oil up the blades before you kind of put that meat through the grinder and tell us just like what's... the just like the tomato cutters at McDonald's you always remember those shit oh, yeah, those gotta, fucking, oh, yeah. those things holy fuck well, fuck you got to lube them cut up. a finger off with one of those cut them off to, to like oh my god they use those all over the place and then like you can't even fucking yeah. use them anymore but Josh what slices your salami man all right, you know what really slices my salami? Um, that there's no that there's no consistency in the automatic championship rematches for uh, you know a guy who's lost. I think that back in the day, you know, you get your rematch. Say, so come out the next day, and our rematch is set <laughs> for tomorrow. Um, so it kind of gives you an opportunity for the story to continue a little bit longer. I, I I don't think that I need to see it for everybody, but the fact that we don't see as many. Or that they're inconsistent with it. Sometimes the person gets their automatic rematch and sometimes they don't. And that's what really slices my salami. Yeah, fucking give us our automatic rematches. They're in the clauses of our fake contracts that we signed to have a world title match. Like, wake the fuck up. This is wrestling, damn it. <laughs> Stick to the rules, fucking, okay? There's, there's, <laughs> You're making this shit up as you go. Goddamn, what is this a story? There's goddamn legalese involved. I'm gonna start suing if I don't get my if I don't get my uh if you don't meet my contract, I'm gonna fucking start suing. It's the legalese, right? If I can't believe Listen. in kayfabe anymore, what can I believe in? <laughs> exactly. It's in the dictionary. Yeah. If it's gonna be fake, make sure it's fake like you fucking told us it was fake. Make sure it's fake like fuss. it's real fake. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Make it real fake Fuck. this time. Make it real fake. But that's why those eliminator matches are bullshit. Yeah, we're not talking. Can't just beat the champion. Also, just as a reference for everybody, we're not calling wrestling fake. But the storyline bullshit, like Josh is saying, fucking that shit is fake as fuck, and that's the reality of it. So, if you don't like it, shut up. Anywho, with that being said, I'm going to say that a couple times before we end the show. Chris, anything you'd like to add before we close her out? Uh, I think I, I think Miss Sharp and I are going to end McPherson. Everybody drink. Yep. Um, I think I think we're going to a CWE show. Two Cold Scorpio is going to be there. Oh fuck, that's wild. And uh, also in February, Marty Skrull and Shane Douglas are going to be here. Oh jeez, might have to might have to make Shane a trip Douglas. back. Might have to make a trip back to Sudbury for fucking Shane Douglas. Oh, uh, and Megan <clears throat> McLaren, the he's he's wrestling. I think he's wrestling Marty Skrull at at one of them. So like, 
I don't know, Shane Douglas and Marty. I don't know. It looks it's, it's pretty good. If, if, if you guys are going to come for some reason, that's a good reason to come down. The franchise. Josh. Is there any, uh, any big shows coming up in Toronto? So we got to we got to. We probably got to go to one next year for sure. Try to get oh, some yeah. tickets to something. Yeah, yeah. Even if WWE goes to Toronto, we should go. Oh, yeah. I haven't been to a WWE in a while since the Coca-Cola Coliseum. You can even, even check to see if there's anything, if people want to do a trip out to Detroit. If we can get a PPV out in Detroit, it would be cool if everybody can cross the border. Oh, we should, we should, we could look at investing in a house. We could probably scrap together 50 grand, eh, boys? You yeah, you don't, want to, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. We could just go do that in Buffalo. Detroit's, Detroit's scary shit. I was scared legitimately when I was in Detroit. I saw Eight Mile, Chris. Like not the movie, but the actual street, and I didn't want to look Did you at go to the any pond? other cars. Did you go to the pond? Did you <laughs> go to the pond shop? Hardcore pond? Did no, you go there? No. That's fucking watched Hardcore Pond and Amish Mafia back to back. Amish <laughs> Mafia. <laughs> I've been watching, uh, I get Fubo. Shout out to Lebanon Levi. (laughs) Yeah, Lebanon Lebanon Levi. (laughs) I get, uh, I get, uh, whatever it is, I get Fubo to watch the English Premier League so that I get, what is it, what's the other one? Like Auction Hunters? And that was another one that was your favorite, say, Josh. Auction Hunters. And fucking then Bar Rescue. Like, I get those and it's like, oh, Oh, Bar Rescue is so fun. (laughs) I love Bar Rescue. So good, but. John, John Taffer. (laughs) John Taffer knows his shit. But, anyways. Um, Josh, anything to close out the show with? All right, he says no and flaps his hand wildly like a bird flapper. I said it. All right. With that being said, we're going to close out right now. But with that being said, just because I like saying it because Josh gets mad or laughs at it, so it's great. Um, Wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That being said, bejeldia. Have a great night. Adios. Bang. Running copacetic. When it all falls down, I hope you don't forget it. Nick City, son of anarchy, the hype the man in me. Mikey damage, show you amateurs the cost of vanity. So fuck humanity, flowy murder open handedly. Most of my clique, yo, they come from broken families. The world that been open is coming to a close shot. Can't find peace in a world full of soldiers. Can't stop it or die. Up north, where the streets run cold out.